Careers don't have to be soul-sucking. Happiness can start with a simple reframe of our language, belief, and mindset. I'm Dangerfield Moore. And I'm Lindsay Toll. We're your hosts, and we're on a mission to reframe work philosophies and regain your happiness at work. Today, we're talking about career progression. Did you always want to be this? CTO or no, never. Suite? Yeah, no. Yeah. People ask me that. A lot of people would ask me, just younger people ask me, you know, was it, you know, what was your strategy? What was your plan? And my strategy when I got out of college, well, first my strategy was get out of college and actually find a job. That was Glenn Hopkins, the 2021 CTO for the Fortune 500 company, HP. You know, the PC and printer business. We spoke to him about navigating one's career. He had spent over 20 years at HP starting at the bottom as systems engineer and eventually reaching the highest corporate level. But career progression wasn't always top of mind. I'll go back a little bit earlier, right? Which is, uh, you know, when I went off to college, my parents, neither of my parents went to college. My sister went to college. Uh, and so I, and my friends went to college. So I said, I guess I'll go to college too. And I didn't know what to study. And so my roommate uh, was a chemistry major because his dad was a chemist. <laughs> so and and so I said, okay, well, what's it like? He goes, I don't know, it's just chemistry. And he goes, there's, but you can get a job after school. And you know, so I said, okay, I'm going to study chemistry. Uh, and so it was then till later I started to get more focused on my my academic background. My wife, she was working on her PhD, so I had to try and find a job in Corvallis. And Lindsay, since she went to school there, you'll appreciate this. Not 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 a big city, and so I had. Uh, one smallish opportunity at the university setting up their IT network, which would have been fascinating. It would have changed my whole career if I had done that. Uh, but uh, Hewlett Packard, uh, just uh, in Corvallis, was hiring on something called inkjet printers, which I knew nothing about, and offered me a job as a process engineer. Uh, and it made an amazing amount of money, which was $30,000 a year, which was more money than I ever thought I could possibly make. And so I snapped it up, and that's how I started. Our grand strategy was to meet for work for two years for HP, then we would, you know, move somewhere else, do something different, you know, depending on where she got her job. Uh, and so that is as far as I could think, and, and that's all I was, you know, planning for. Well, you know, uh, we got married, we started our family, she got a job at the university doing research, which allowed her to be able to spend time with the kids and then also with starting on her career. And so I stayed at HP longer and longer. And before you know, it's five years, uh, you know, in six years, seven years. And I moved from engineering then into management. Uh, and all of a sudden it's like 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. You wake up one day and it's 10 years. And at that point we said, well, I, I want to do something different. We both want to do something different. But I loved HP, and HP had been good to me, and I liked what I was doing, and really liked the people that I worked with. So we said, well, what about a foreign assignment? And so really pursued that. Came down to either going to Barcelona, Spain, or Singapore. Singapore won out, and went from there. It wasn't until just before Singapore that Glenn got intentional about his career, driving his career into higher and higher levels of management. Many of us feel pressured to progress along the same path whether we want to or not. The pressure can come from our manager when he says that old chestnut, where do you want to be in five years? The pressure can come when we see all of our LinkedIn connections celebrating their latest promotion or new job, when we get bored at our job and want something different or don't know what we want. 
when I was at HP, I gave a lot of, or had a lot of people come to me for career, young people come to me with career advice. Uh, and the first question I would ask them was, well, what do you want to do? And I would say 90 plus percent, if not higher, is I don't know. And, and so that's, I go, okay, let's reflect on that, but you're not alone, right? You're not alone. And so, you know, I would start with, well, let's just take a step back and try and understand who you are and what you're looking for. What's going to make you happy and fulfilled? Uh, because it was just jumping to, well, I, I don't, it just has to be something better uh, or something different. As humans, we naturally want progression and we naturally want to avoid loss, avoid disappointment, and avoid uncertainty. We want to avoid losing the investment we already made in our career. We want to avoid disappointing others and their expectations of us. We want to avoid the uncertainty of what's next? Will it pay enough? And so we default to the corporate ladder. It's an established, well-paid path, building on our past experiences, making our family, manager, and peers proud. It also makes us feel trapped, trapped in a rat race, forced to stick to the corporate ladder, pressure to continuously move up and to the right. Up and to the right is a mathematical construct, right? Which needs a y-axis. <laughs> so what's on that y-axis, right? Which is, uh, because that tells you, right? What, up, okay, what is, what's the metric? What's the measure, what am I measuring? Up and to the right. Uh, and, and then why is that motivating me? So what is on each axis? Title, pay, other? At the company I was working on, there were levels, right, with numbers. And higher numbers were higher levels, and higher numbers had higher responsibility and made more money. So it was just naturally set up. HR also knows we want to progress. That's why they have levels, titles, pay bans, and more. But if that's what we want as humans, why are we not satisfied? Why do we feel empty? Your generation especially puts a lot of pressure on progression. I think a lot was made of, of that, you know, uh, by the education system and maybe the parents, you know, <laughs> like I said, my, neither of my parents went to college. People back then didn't have the same kind of, you know, focus or intention that, you know, that the younger people have today, um, which is both good and bad. Right, I think the, the good is that they're really trying, okay, you know, what do, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? How am I going to go obtain it? Where am I going to get, you know, coaching or mentorship? Uh, and there was very little of that. I mean, there's really no mentor programs back, back in those, you know, those, those days. Uh, the bad, the bad of it is I think it puts a lot of stress on people and a lot of anxiety that, oh, I'm not progressing fast enough. Uh, not progressing fast enough and not knowing where it is they really want to go. So you got to think and chew on that for, for you know, a little bit. Who's defining progression? Who is setting the pace? Is it your ambition, your need for new challenges and growth? Or is it social comparison of where we should be? Expectations from our family, society? Fears of uncertainty, ambiguity? Or something else. What are you progressing to? We need to be careful about progression and the expectations that we're putting on ourselves. So what are we saying? Is progression bad? Well, it can be. Progression can be 
when we don't know where we're going or what we want, when we're moving aimlessly for the sake of progression. When I was just blindly following this model of my dad, success that he had, or what I thought I was supposed to do, I quickly realized that like that extra slice of pie that I worked so hard for in the work bucket usually wasn't worth it. And it wasn't worth it because I didn't know why I was even trying to eat it, right? I was just going for something that at the end of the day, like I didn't actually have a clear why I was going for it. And those are the ones that never panned out. That was Alex Bierhaus, five months into his career break, a gift he gave himself after 15 years working in large corporations. But we'll get to his story in a future episode. For Alex, he was entering a chapter of exploration and presentism. This is another reason why progression shouldn't always be the focus. We may be in a chapter where we don't want more responsibility, where we don't want to overstretch ourselves. There will be chapters where we want to explore, explore the world, explore career options, experiment with new roles. There may be chapters where we need to be present for ourselves, our kids, our dying family member. Or there are chapters where we simply want to grow in place, gaining mastery and industry knowledge. My starting goal uh, was just to have a job and to do well in that job. We should be cautious about progression, especially if we're giving up our values or authenticity in pursuit of progress. We spoke with Maisha Cobb, a former executive with a PhD in psychology, who recently turned entrepreneur. She stopped focusing on the corporate ladder and started focusing on being her authentic self. We talk about this theme of who are you and how do you stay authentic to yourself? It's important to me because I haven't always done it. So a lot of what we teach, we have to learn, right? And for me, I'm still learning this idea of it's okay to be myself and it's okay for me to have visions that are outside the, the, the lines of what other people may think is okay or where they may want to color. I might want to color in a totally different spot and it's okay for me to go there first. I've always known who I am. I just tried really hard to fit into what other people told me was acceptable for where I was. So the spaces that I was in really didn't allow me to flourish and be that person. And listen, I've worked for some amazing Fortune 50, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies that as soon as I got there, I said to myself, this doesn't feel right. And so I've always kind of known at a gut level around, um, you know, what feels like me and what doesn't. And there is always something in me when I'm having to hold back a part of myself. I feel it as tension in my body. I may feel it as, I don't really want to go to that meeting or go to work. Um, and, and there's something that starts to nag at me that says, this isn't really you. And sometimes I paid attention to it. And other times I didn't. And when I didn't pay attention to it, I ended up suffering either physically um, or emotionally. Over time, I've gotten wiser to the fact that there's these signals that are popping up for me and I need to pay attention to them. What made me decide 
that now was the right time was um, I'm not I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual, and I have this core belief that when you're on the right path, the universe conspires to help you get there, kind of pushes you along. Think about it like a vortex sucking you through and getting you to that end destination. And it, and I, as I reflect over the course of my own career and journey, even from early childhood, those things that I was doing that were the right things for me to be doing kept getting me there quicker. And it felt like I was getting there with, with less resistance. It was those other things when I wasn't really being who I was and I wasn't really following what I wanted to do. Those are the things that were hard. One of the things that I try to personally coach people on is you can always make money. Like there's gonna be roles that are out there that are gonna give you more money. What really matters is what makes your heart do a dance and what makes your soul happy. Because if you do that work, that's where you're gonna thrive. Progression can also stop us from making a necessary change. Perhaps we feel we're too old or it's too late. We've already invested too much. When our sunk costs and our loss aversion prevent us from taking nonlinear paths, whether that's pivoting a career, making a lateral move, or gaining necessary experience, even when it means going downward. When I went to Singapore, I, I had to, I was, I was at a, a certain level, an, I was an R&D section manager, which is, so I managed project managers. And uh, R&D was, you know, considered you know, for engineering, it was, you know, that was the place, you know, that was kind of higher on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. And so when I was given the opportunity to go to Singapore, it was manufacturing in a, in a second world country at that time, Singapore, a second world country. Uh, so, and it was, it was a lower level, mm. at lower pay. And I kind of go, wow, and people are asking, why are you doing that? Right, well, you know, and I go, that's a question. I'm asking myself that same question, right? Why am I doing this? Right? Of course, my wife was so, so, she was so excited, you know, you know, foreign assignment. Our kids were little, they were like five, you know, four and six, I guess. Um, but I go, oh, it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a great experience for us. And it turned out it was, uh, but I was like, oh, what am I doing? But then, uh, and I spent four years there, but I've re I learned so much about manufacturing, how you know, designing a product is one thing, building it is a whole another thing, and then having real customers use it and be happy or not so happy. And then also how things get you know, done in Asia was absolutely invaluable. And uh, actually I, the job I got uh, going back to the US was actually a, a higher level R&D job because uh, they really appreciated that experience. Mm. So it turned out it turned out great. Overall, I think it turned out okay. Uh, it turned out well, but it was not a, it was not a straight path. And it typically isn't. The pursuit of progress is a natural instinct, but it can trap us if we're not careful. We risk losing our authentic self. Every person needs to redefine what progression means to themselves. So that we can make career decisions that aren't defined by a standard path, but are authentic to us and fulfill us. I would tend to be careful about using the word progression, right? Because that just insinuates that, you know, it insinuates that, well, if it's not a higher level, then I'm not progressing. 
if you're getting smarter and better at your at your vocation, at your craft, that's progression. Uh, if you're enjoying it more, that's progression, right? If you have more opportunities in that craft than you did before, that's progression. If you're able to achieve, you know, career satisfaction and raise your children in a way that gives you, you know, gives you, uh, you know, re is rewarding and is in their best interest, that's that's great. I mean, you, you're doing, you know, so you have to, I think, you know, you have to look at it that way. Lifelong learning is the way we used to talk about it, right? Are you, you know, are you continuing to learn? Are you continuing to make, you know, bigger and bigger contributions to the world around you? I, that to me is, you know, that's, that's a good human being. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you're doing those things and you're, you're progressing. So let's redefine progression as celebrating all the ways that we're developing ourselves and all the ways we're creating value. While we're at it, let's change the metaphor altogether. Let's get rid of the X and Y axes. Let's get rid of the ladder metaphor. Instead, let's look at our careers as stories, with each job and each life event as a new chapter. You know, I like the story metaphor for a number of reasons. First, it allows for serendipity. It allows for change. It gives you permission to move in any direction you want. And it accepts the occurrence of plot twists, of external factors that may impact your direction, but you don't know when they're gonna come. It acknowledges that each chapter can have a different purpose, a different uncharted adventure, Unlike a ladder, you don't always know what's next. You only need to be curious about how the next chapter will unfold. How will you grow? What will you learn? How will you explore? What memories will you make? How will your priorities and interests shift? What values will you honor? What impact will you have? A story is empowering because it lets you be the author. Now, the second reason why I like the story metaphor is because it also acknowledges your role in writing your own story. It honors the feelings that you have, the experiences that shape you, and the development of your character. As you write your story, what role are you playing? Are you the hero or the victim? The passive observer or the proactive director? Are you the pragmatist, the optimist, the cynic? It's just as important to look at how we write about ourselves, not just as the authors, but as the main characters. Because the stories we tell ourselves either empower us or disempower us. So what chapter are you in? How is your job serving you in this chapter? What are your needs and your goals? If you don't have an answer to this, check out our website for help. We've got guides and courses to help you articulate your story, your needs, and align your current and future job to them. Our goal is to provide you tools to help you feel empowered and help you regain your happiness in work and in life. So visit our website to find or create a job that serves you. In our next two episodes, we'll tackle specific questions related to progression and how to write a five-year plan. Yeah, right now, the future is still on a very near-term timeline. It's um, how am I going to approach tomorrow? Um, how am I going to approach the next hour? I have a vision of what the end state is, but not knowing how I'm going to get there or when something might knock me down, not having a timeline on it is really, really beneficial to me. What's next for me is figuring out where I go with my career and my learning and things like that now that the company is a little, um, not bottom heavy, but like there's not as many senior engineers as there are like intermediate engineers. I think if you start with, you know, well, I want these titles and this much money and everything else, you're going to, you know, you're going to kind of 
burn yourself trying to get something that you don't necessarily know what what that is. If you found this podcast helpful, share it with a friend. Together, let's change the perspective on work and make it a more enjoyable experience for all of us. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Let me tell you more about our guests. We're honored to have spoken with Glenn Hopkins, the former tech executive, now consultant and executive coach. He has long been admired by his employees as a people leader and technology enthusiast, credited for keeping the on-site culture alive and thriving here in San Diego. He rose through the ranks and understands the challenges of both leading a Fortune 500 organization and developing emerging technologies. He's coached employees of all levels, including myself, and now offers his services to the public. If you wish to gain from his experience as a consultant or as an executive coach, follow the link in our show notes to contact him. We'd like to also thank our guest, Dr. Maisha Cobb. Maisha Cobb's company, Impact International, that's M-P-A-C-T, helps companies harness the power of technology to establish an inclusive work culture, one that extracts fear and builds safety. Customers speak highly about her services. Jason Kramer, the CEO of Vital Findings, says Impact's cognitive dynamicism gave us insight into our organization that we never had before. We suspected that we had some internal misalignment between our cultures and our roles, but we didn't know why. By looking through the lens of diversity of thought, Impact International showed us where the issues stemmed from, allowing us to focus on showing our team how to participate in a collaborative culture we're fostering. Her services are unique in that she provides both consulting services for short-term impact and a technology solution for long-term change. So visit mpact-int.com if you seek to create psychological safety that unlocks team potential. Lastly, we also want to thank Alex Beerhouse for sharing his reflections Alex is a connector, a leader, and a people enthusiast. His extrovert nature, along with his program management skills and strategic thinking, enable him to execute large-scale, people-centered programs. If you're looking for an employee with those skill sets, reach out to him via LinkedIn. We've added the link in our show notes. We hope that his career break is as rejuvenating and informing as he intends it to be and needs it to be. Thanks for listening.